Welcome to How I Lawyer, a podcast where I talk to attorneys from throughout the profession about what they do, why they do it, and how they do it well. I'm your host, Jonah Perlin, a law professor in Washington, D.C. This episode is sponsored, edited, and engineered by my friends at Law Pods. Law Pods is a professional podcast production company focused solely on attorney podcasting. I absolutely love working with them, and if you're considering becoming a legal podcaster or just want to learn more, check them out at lawpods.com. And now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back. In today's special episode recorded live at ClioCon, I spoke with Kareen Sakpo, who practices immigration, family law, and intellectual property at 402 Legal, based in Omaha, Nebraska. Originally from Togo, Kareen recently won the first Riesman Award for diversity and inclusion for her legal work and community engagement. She's a graduate of the University of Benin in Loma, Togo, the University of Nebraska, go Cornhuskers, and Creighton Law, go Blue Jays. Here's our conversation. Welcome back. We're here uh, at ClioCon. Congratulations on winning a Riesman Award today. It's very exciting. Thank you. Um, so I, I like to start by just hearing a little bit about your practice from your perspective. What do you do? And more importantly, how'd you get here? Sure. So my practice is very varied. I like doing different things. I get bored doing the same thing over and over. And so I practice in the areas of immigration and also I do small business work, which hmm. includes incorporation, uh, contract review, and trademarks work wow. for small businesses. So it is a lot of variety in what I do, but keeps me on my toes and keeps me up and going. I enjoy that. Absolutely. Enjoy that. And tell me a little bit about your your path to becoming a lawyer in the first place. Uh, what made you decide to become a lawyer and sort of is what you're doing now, what was the plan then? So there were a lot of twists and turns to get in here. And I think it's important for, you know, for, uh, for young lawyers or law students or people aspiring to be lawyers to understand that it's not a one path fit mm-hmm. all, right? Totally. So I knew when I was 13 years old that I wanted to be a lawyer. But then I didn't really have any lawyers in my family. And, you know, going to law school wasn't really encouraged Mm -hmm. uh, in my family growing up in a dictatorship. So go to law school, then you start speaking up against the dictator, I guess you killed. Mm. So that wasn't really encouraged. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's a good reason not to go to law school. (laughs) Right. So that wasn't encouraged. And then I went a different route. I... um, I did management, and then I moved to the United States from Togo, West Africa. Mm-hmm. And then, but by then, I had a strong interest in media mm-hmm. and communications. And then, at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, I was doing communications with a minor in women's studies. Mm-hmm. And then I took a class called Women and the Law, and mm. the rest is history. Wow! Yeah. yeah, I think that's so great. And I think, you know, I think giving people that opportunity to learn about the law because there are those people who who know they want to be a lawyer forever but giving them those entry points to our profession makes our profession so much richer so much diverse and so much more diverse in all the ways we mean diversity 
and also gets people who are actually great fits for the profession, but wouldn't know otherwise. And you were saying before that you also teach now as well. Tell me a little bit about that. I do. So I teach a business law class at a local community college uh, in, in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally enjoy it. I, I, you know, I have students that are very diverse and it's important to have teachers that look like you, mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know, that may or may not sound like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have a good diversity uh, at all levels. It's great. I enjoy the interactions with the students, being able to inspire them, motivate and coach, mm-hmm. you know, all that are part of the joys of teaching. Right. It's, it's the, the coursework's important, but everything else is also important. Exactly. And having your own personal story and coming to this country, did that Uh, from Togo. Did that inspire you to pursue immigration law as one of the things you do? Was was your own story part of the story you wanted to tell when you got here? It did. It it really did. Because being an immigrant and going through the process myself, you know, made me realize how important it was, right? So a client that walks into my office uh, seeking to get the right immigration status mm-hmm. for them. Um, you know, I can relate. I can empathize. I understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm when, when I tell them it's going to take two years right. for this to happen, they trust me when mm-hmm. I say that because they know I've had personal experience sure. with it, not just read about it in the books, but they can trust that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently had another immigration lawyer on the podcast, and one of the things that we talked about, and I'd be curious about your take on it, is how different immigration law is to so many other areas of law, simply that not everybody is afforded uh, a lawyer, that the process is almost always stacked against the person who who is coming to the lawyer or coming to the court to get some kind of status. How do you... How do you sort of think about those structural challenges that you can't change as a single lawyer and you have to sort of work within those difficult structures? How, how do you think about that? You know, it's very interesting because, yeah, it is one, one of those areas where the deck is stacked against, against the person, the little, the little guy, right? right? But at the same time, it's not impossible. You know, there are many ways to get around mm-hmm. uh, in, in a lot of cases. There are cases where you have to have that difficult conversation with the client mm-hmm. and, and be upfront, like, there's just no way. You know, at this point, I will be wasting your money right. and your time if I took on your case because the law is so against, mm-hmm. you know. There's just no other avenues. And that's, that's the discouraging part about immigration law. Uh, when, you know, to change the laws, it takes 60 out of a hundred right. in the Senate. Right, right. You know, and you have to have a majority in the House too in order to do that. There has been so many, you know, so many times where we had hope for mm-hmm. comprehensive immigration reform. Sure. And we just fall short of numbers, right. you know. And right. so it, it does give hope that there's a legislative avenue for change mm-hmm. to the immigration laws. It gives hope that there is an executive, you know, avenue for change on things that are within the purview of the executive power. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and it, it, it ebbs and flows a little bit depending on 
the administration, right? Sure. So for a long time, there there was like this dark cloud of immigration, mm-hmm. and things are getting a little better. So you know, we just encourage our clients to keep pursuing uh, the avenues that are available to them, and then we also have to be upfront with the ones that really have no legal recourses. Sure, and I imagine you know another challenge of doing immigration law is because it's so different. You have to learn a lot on the job, yes. and I guess I'm curious about the balance between what you learned in law school versus what you learned on the job, and and how you were able to have someone come into your office and say, you know, I can help you. It's an uphill battle, mm-hmm. or maybe I sh- I can't help you, and I'm really sorry. Where and how did you learn immigration law? Was it in school or was it in practice? So. It was through going through it first. Mm, yes, me, right, 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 of course. Through going of course. through it first and helping others kind of go through it first. Right. Because this is the fun part, right? Being a child of immigrants, you are your parents' first interpreter. Right, right. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. And so you're, you're helping your parents with their immigration papers. You're right. helping them fill things out. Right. You know, and all that. So. That, that kind of shaped my whole perception sure. of, of this area of law. Huh. And then, you know, I don't think law school was that effective in teaching me immigration mm-hmm. law at all because, you know, it was just one class. Right. So one class and just kind of an overview. Right. An overview class. And I don't think that was a very effective way. Um, and I think what I, what helped me a lot was when I was in law school, mm-hmm. I went and I was, vo- I volunteered for justice for our neighbors. Uh, it, that was the name they were called at that time. They are now the immigrant legal center mm-hmm. in Nebraska, but they were out of a church. This, I love their story. They right. were out of a church in the church's basement. Sure. They had like one lawyer, two paralegals, and they were doing free services Mm -hmm. for the community. So I would go volunteer on Saturdays with them. And I I learned a lot through doing that. Right. And I think that's so, that's important for any practice area, right? Getting that experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing I tell my law students is sometimes you'll you'll do something that you think you're really going to like. And you volunteer and you realize, I never want to do that again. Yes. Great. Learn that earlier. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a great, you know, that's a great thing. It's not just for law students, though. At every level, you know, when you try, you are in college trying to figure out what your major will be or what you want to be when you grow up, go do that. Go volunteer in that profession. Right. I remember doing it. I wanted, at some point, I wanted to be in media, right? So I did an internship at a TV station right? and they sent me out at night in the snow <laughs> to go to this live. And you said, I'll pass. Yeah. After that, I was like, thank that's, you. That's really and funny. You, and you're right then. For anybody, for anybody <laughs> listening, go get that moment, be out in the snow in the yes. middle of Nebraska moment, because yes. that will that's a great image to remind you'll, folks. You'll get clarity right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the other things that I think is so interesting about your approach is I feel like our profession has become so siloed. People have such narrow practice areas as opposed to sort of like the general country lawyer type mm-hmm. that we had for so long. And you've 
you do a lot of different things. You do immigration laws, we discussed, but you, as you said, you also do some business law. Yeah. How do you maintain a practice that has all these different facets? I know that I know why you want to, but I guess my question is more brass tacks. How are you able to? It, it is not easy. It isn't easy. I mean, you have to keep up, right? You have to keep up and be actively sick to be competent mm-hmm. in all the areas that you practice in. And for for everybody, I think at some point you'll have to narrow it down. Sure. And so I am still in the process of narrowing it down. Right. Uh, although it's been, you know, I've been in practice, in private practice since 2008. Mm-hmm. And and practice on my own since 2011. So this mm-hmm. is my 11th year of practice. Yeah. So I have been narrowing it narrowing, down right. and try to find what's your passion. Sure. What are you passionate about to where if you wake up every day and have to work at it for 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. you will not feel like working. Hmm. Wow. But I like the idea that you don't have to narrow too early. I think some people come into law school and they think, I need to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate the gusto mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. But it sounds like in your experience, it's better to start start a little bit wider and yes. then narrow by experience. Yes, it is. And I will say this, you know, I feel most law schools, most law schools encourage that idea of, you know, going to law school, going to work for big law, yeah. going to work in corporate law, because that's the idea of what a successful lawyer right. looks like. Right. And all of us kind of buy into that at some point sure. until you realize, is that really what I want for me? Mm-hmm. Or does it match my skill set, my yeah. strengths, right? Yes. And for me, I got that, that answer a little early in my career. I think year three in my career, mm-hmm. I figured out that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a trademark lawyer every day, all the time. Right. I wanted to do other things as mm-hmm. well. And so getting that answer early helps you kind of shift focus and then try to shape your career in a way that fits your strengths. Hmm. And, you know, one of the other things that I read about in your bio is that you're the founder of the Midlands African Chamber. Tell me a little bit about what that is. I, you know, I, it, it says on the internet, it is the, the only black chamber of commerce in Nebraska. But tell me more about what that is and why you wanted to be a part of starting it. Sure. So I got to, I got to Omaha, you know, 22 years ago, finished law school and went to work for a firm that had been around for like 20 years Mm -hmm. at that point. And I was the first black person they've ever hired in Mm. any position. Wow. And, you know, after I left the firm, and then I went into, you know, trying to create my own. I decided, you know, I, I wanted to find mentors, mm-hmm. right? Network with others and things like that. And it was difficult. It was difficult. The only group that I was able to, to find that really helped me out was a group called the Midlands Bar Association, which is an association of black attorneys. Mm-hmm. And so... By being part of it and later becoming president of that group and all that made me think, well, how about people that are not lawyers? How about people that just came here, right? right? Immigrants that are from Africa like Mm -hmm. me, that are business owners. We know that immigrants have a strong entrepreneurial drive. Mm -hmm. And well, who do they turn to? Because when you move to a new country, you lose all your social capital. You lose all your social network. You have nobody. 
right? So you have to rebuild that. And so how do we make this happen? So we started talking um, to others mm -hmm. and discussing the possibility of having a chamber of commerce, the Midlands African Chamber. And I, in doing so, I found out there was no black chamber of commerce either. And we were like, okay, so we're going to create. We're going to do this. And right. when are we going to do it? During the pandemic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Communion. <laughs> yes, very much so. And so 2020 got, got the chamber started through social media mm -hmm. almost exclusively because we could not meet in person. Sure. And had social events online. Yeah. And uh, did everything online. And actually, our board members mm -hmm. got a chance to meet each other in person for the first time wow. uh, at our one year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just saying this conference for me is really the first time I've been doing a, a business trip yes. since before the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I had just started as a professor and now I'm in year five. Yes. Um, well, congratulations. I think that's great. And the thing I don't want to step on from that story is first step right yes look to find people who have had similar experiences who you can learn from yeah if you can't find them build that group that's right build that group build that group and you know in all that you do um find a way to throw the room back and encourage others you know? yes yes, yes. well look we're coming to the end of our time it's been so interesting getting to know you and your fascinating path one of the things I like to end my podcast with is by asking for some advice and you've given some already, but what's the message you would give to someone just finishing law school or just starting their career? Maybe they're an immigrant like you to this country. What's something you wish you knew earlier uh, that you can impart to those listeners? The importance of networking. Say more. Yes. Yes, the importance of networking, the importance of building those connections intentionally, mm -hmm. intentionally. So whatever area of law you are interested in, build connections with people that are practicing in that area. What, area, what other areas you have some vague level of interest, but you're not sure, explore that as well through intentional connections. You know, join your local chamber mm -hmm. because if you want to do anything having to do business, right. you want to be where business people meet. Right. So join that. Right. I love that. And I think what I really love about that is networking can be a, seen as a bad word, mm -hmm. right? Networks are for people who have privilege. Networks are for people who have three generations that they can call on. No, network, I, networking yeah. is for us that have none of that. Right. Because we have to build it now right. so that we can build that legacy for our children. Amen. Right. <laughs> build the community, build the connection. And if it's not there, go out and find it. Find it. And then, you know, what I'm trying to do with this podcast and I know what you're trying to do and you're community is build it so the people behind us right don't have to work exactly. quite so hard exactly that's it amen well look it's been great talking to you great meeting you and i wish you the best of luck on the next two decades of practice thank you Be well thank you so much <laughs> again i'm jonah perlin and this is the how i lawyer podcast thanks to podcast sponsor law pods for their expert editing if you're a lawyer considering starting your own podcast definitely check them out at lawpods.com and thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with friends and colleagues or on social media. And of course, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for the email list at howilawyer.com or subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, if you have comments, suggestions, or ideas for the show, please reach out to me 
at howilawyer at gmail.com or at Jonah Perlin on Twitter. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. 